gentlemen, training camp is upon us, and I don't know if uh, any of us are feeling, you know, any different or any better than we were at the end of last season, uh, the way it all went down, but, uh, you know, I, I guess the big question for me heading into this training camp and heading into this season, because I, I don't want this to be like a just like a mindless slog, you know, like there's a lot of people who are checked out and that's that's reasonable at this point. But um, I, I want to enjoy this season and these players because who knows how much longer uh, we're going to have them. Mitch Marner and, and Austin Matthews were on the uh, 32 Thoughts podcast recently and they, um, you know, I think it was Marner who said that they didn't get to, to work together this summer because of Matthew's injury, but they're going to have a lot of summers to do that. And I, I, I really hope that that's the case, but I'm going to enjoy it. Like maybe it's coming to an end uh, when, when one of these contracts come up soon, or, you know, if things don't go so hot this year, which is also a, a possibility. So my question for you guys, and we'll start with you, Nick, what in-season indicators would actually like move the needle for you at this point? Because, you know, the, the, the Leafs were a great team last season. The defense was greatly improved. So I think you want to see that again. But for me, they were never like a top three team. Like I, I always felt like they were kind of right on that fringe. They were a contender, like a top five, a top eight type of team, but never better than the Colorados or you know, Vegas or Tampa Bay, et cetera. I mean, mostly just those three teams are the ones that I really felt the least were always a step behind and maybe a couple of others at different points in the season. But I, I'm just trying to figure out what what would make me feel somewhat better. And I know that it's not going to really matter. But Nick, what are your thoughts? Because uh, like I... I just need to see them almost dominate every aspect of the game every night from start to finish at this point. And that probably still won't be good enough to quell the anxiety when the playoffs roll around. But you kind of alluded to the fact that they sort of sleepwalked their way through the North Division last year. I think we would like to see them kind of handle their business in a similar fashion back in the Atlantic this year against you know some stiffer competition. I, you know, Tampa is obviously, you know, the class of the league back to back Stanley Cup champions. But I think that they also took a step back, you know, roster wise this offseason. Florida, you could argue, perhaps got a little better. I think Boston got worse. Um, the, the division is there for the taking, you know, at, at least to some extent. They should be able to compete with Tampa Bay for the, for the top spot in the Atlantic, and at the very worst, they should be securing home ice through the first round in the second spot, beating out Florida and Boston. So I think that would be a big indicator. Um, just that they last season's regular season success wasn't a complete fluke; that they can do that against you know stiffer competition over a longer schedule. Uh, but the biggest thing for me is I think I just kind of want to see them play with more of a, a chip on their shoulder o- over the course of the season. You know, like instead of pretending that this criticism surrounding the team doesn't exist or trying to, you know, block it out or tune it out, sort of embrace the, you know, the the opportunity in front of you to to kill that narrative that you guys can't get it done 
and you know just play with that sort of attitude that this is going to be the year that you're going to get it done and nothing's going to get in your way yeah they're they're going to need to play pretty much a perfect season to keep the kind of flies away all year like they're not going to be like if they if they come out in the first month of the season and do kind of you know have another blown 5-1 lead to Ottawa or something like that it's just going to get so like it'll be a circus it's always a circus but it'll be just you know with what happened last year even more so I mean, but that said, they could win the President's Trophy. They could, you know, not lose more than two games in a row all year. And they could have, you know, four All-Stars and all this other shit. And it's not going to matter, yep. uh, you know, come game one of the playoffs. We're all still going to be as nervous as we would be if they squeaked in with a second wild card. Like, it really it, it is as crazy as it is to say that I'm not going to have a ton of confidence in this team until they went around. And then I, I probably will think that they're going to win the cup. So it's and like, that's why a lot of people have checked out at, at this yeah. point. Right. And, and it makes sense. Like, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. I don't know, but I mean, there's things I'm definitely looking for though. Like I would prefer, you know, to, to make myself feel better a little bit going into the playoffs. Like I would, I'm definitely looking for them to not have to kind of ride Matthews and Marner into the ground a little bit. I know they're, you know, world-class athletes in their early 20s and they shouldn't, it shouldn't matter that much, but they're still human beings and they looked tired in the playoffs at, at points. And I mean, they were also getting, you know, shut down pretty handily by a very good defensive player and that makes you look that way. But they're, I, I would like it if they, they didn't have to play 22 or 21 minutes every night, um, you know, have a little bit more consistency in the bottom six. Um, from a you know a, a nice time standpoint and a you know even a personnel standpoint, I think would would make me feel a little bit better too. Just having a third line that is the same every night. Um, I know Nick, we talked earlier before we jumped on that they might have kind of an unconventional look to the bottom six, but something where there's a score uh, you know a, a sheltered kind of scoring line that can get it done um, and kind of ease the burden a little bit from these guys so that they don't have to be everything all year. Yeah, you make a good point about uh, especially, you know, the blown leads. Like, there's not much you can do to make me feel good this season. Just don't make me feel so bad. Like, don't have a, a an yeah. all-time <laughs> embarrassing meltdown added to the list as, as we have so many seasons in the last few. Like, don't get beat by a Zamboni driver. <laughs> don't, you know, blow a an insurmountable lead. Just Just stick to the, you know the basics here Um, i think that's what's going to make this upcoming season such a a slog for some people is that no matter anything positive that the team does is just going to be kind of brushed aside and met with a show me in the playoffs but everything that goes poorly for them is going to be magnified that much more and yeah it's it's going to come down to the postseason but you know yeah, it's just playing a fucking video game at this point where you can't actually save your progress and you get to the very, very end and you get fucking nuked by the final boss every time. Or not even like the final boss, like the the, the last, like one of the run up bosses, you know? And the, first then, shitty, the first shitty boss that shouldn't have been there. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and then you just have to play your whole way through all the, you know, right from the It's just, it's, it's going to be, yeah tough um so what are we looking for going to training camp because, <laughs> with that in mind the excitement uh, of training camp is just around the corner 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, get fired up, Leafs fans. <laughs> we're recording this on the eve of training camp officially opening. And I mean, there's, it feels like there's, you know, not a lot of storylines, not a lot of battles. And, and, you know, there's just, there's the one central, like, how are you going to make this right <laughs> yeah. for us? Like, how, how dare you? That's your, that's the first question. <laughs> uh, and second, it's, um, you know, who's going to play first line left wing. So like, I, I feel like that, but that, that winger question is, you know, a big part of it. Cause you've had Zach Hyman, who's just been such a reliable force for so long and he's gone and you're going to feel that loss. Um, but I, I choose to look at it as an opportunity because I, you know, I, I think that as, as much as, you know, you liked Hyman as much as he did for you. He also chewed up a lot of minutes and, you know, maybe you can make something work. And, you know, like you said, Keith, you don't want to be running Matthews and Marner into the ground, but, um, you know, you want to uh, highlight their talents as best you can. And maybe you can do that a little better, not necessarily, you know, obviously Hyman did a lot to, to help that, but Hyman also, you know, carried the puck a lot and, and, um, missed a lot of open nets and you know there there are things that i'm excited to kind of see on the wing keith um that you know we 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 could have some some excitement i guess on that front in in camp yeah there's three new options and i don't know where they're gonna fall but i mean you've got kasha bunting and richie that are all gonna factor into this conversation and they all bring something different like i mean kasha if he stays healthy he's probably the most exciting of them all and I know there's, there's, there's two ways to look at this. It's like, was it a bunch of clustered bad luck and now he's good? Or is it just an injury-plagued player that is never really going to be the same? I mean, we have no idea. Nobody has any idea. So that's a player, and I love the, the gamble, the contract, everything about it. So, like, probably the m- most excited for him from, like, a, uh, um, you know, just a low-risk, high-reward kind of standpoint. I think with Richie, you kind of know what you're getting a little bit. He's, you know going to chip in offensively he's going to probably be a bit of an asshole to play against he's going to get in a few fights and he's you know probably and and by the sounds of it he's a bit inconsistent and will probably disappear for a few games at a time i don't think anybody claims to know what they're going to be getting out of bunting because i don't think any of us watched any of his games um apart from some youtube clips and there so aren't even that many of them probably watch the most, either so <laughs> and there aren't that many yeah his like a 90 second clip <laughs> so i mean there's there's really those are the, the big things that i'm kind of looking for but i will say it's kind of strange that you know in my time of being a leafs fan that this is probably the first training camp that we're going into because keep in mind last year I know the defense was good last year, but I don't think we knew it was going to be that good going into training camp. So this is one of the first years that we're kind of like not thinking about that. Yeah, I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> I, I'm just I, I'm not that I think it's going to be bad, just it, more so like uh, is there going to be that natural aging regression? Uh, you know, Morgan Riley, is he going to be the guy that we saw who, who had kind of settled in or, or is it, you know, going to be a, a struggle for him early in the season again? Like what what are we going to get from from them as a group? Because they were so good. And we need to remember Morgan Riley, even though he had some up and down moments throughout the season last year, he was outstanding in the series against Montreal. Like, oh, yeah. He yeah. was arguably, you know, the best leaf in the series outside of Nylander. Um, it is nice to be going into training camp and, you know, not have those glaring concerns on the back end. You kind of know how it's going to shake out. We've got Riley and Brody probably going to be 
paired up again. Muzzin and Hall are likely to be paired up again, facing the, the other team's top lines every night. And then you'll have Dermot sliding over to the right side to fill Bogosian's spot with Sandine stepping in on the left side. And, you know, I think there's going to be minutes there for Timothy Lilligren as well throughout the season. Sandine's still a young guy who, you know, he, he's still working to establish himself as a, a full-time player. I think that's going to happen this year, but there's still going to be some minutes there for Lilligren. And Dermot's versatility to kind of play on either side will allow the Leafs to to manage those minutes between Sandine and Lilligren throughout the season. So I, I think that's going to be something to watch uh, even early in the preseason, just to kind of see, you know, what they might have in mind for those guys. Um, but up front is obviously the, the really interesting thing. And we're not even really going to get an answer on who's going to play that first line left wing spot early on in camp because Matthews isn't going to be there or not, yeah. you know, partaking in full practices and line rushes and things like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts what the Leafs do to begin camp. What kind of group are they going to put together for a top six in Matthew's absence? Um, Is Kerfoot going to step into a a, a top six center spot and play alongside one of Mariner or Nylander? Kerfoot and Nylander did really well together in the playoffs and, you know, that that would leave Tavares to likely be skating alongside Mariner throughout camp in the preseason. And maybe that carries over into the regular season. There's a lot of implications here from, you know, Matthews not being on the ice to begin camp. I think that's one of the most interesting storylines. Yeah, I think I'd like to see the op- like not I don't know if the opposite's the right word, but I'd like to see more like somebody. I think he said this when we were getting ready, Nick, like a Brooks or something like that, like placehold for Matthews and re- and kind of figure the rest of the lineup out. Yeah, um, well, in, just because there's been so much turnover, right? And there there's so many questions to answer. And there's an actually create a training camp. Yeah, you have a training camp. You have preseason games. Be nice to find Johnny a line that is going to be the line on opening night that he can work with all preseason. And same thing. And then we talked about the revolving door of the bottom six last year too. Like that's got to be sorted out. You've got new faces down there that we haven't really even talked about either. So I don't know. I'd, I'd prefer them figure out the other three lines and then just plug Matthews in for some, you know, a placeholder that was there um, until he's ready. But I can also see them using this time because, you know, the, maybe to try a few different options that maybe are a little bit outside the well, box. Well, they so. didn't try anything different all season last year, and no. that so you, you didn't. Re- Sheldon Keefe didn't really have any, you know, data to turn to in the playoffs to in order to shake things up when it stopped working. So like he didn't have a, a look at Nylander and Matthews over an extended period of time during the regular season. I think that might be something that you know to your point kind of get different looks throughout the season and, and see what you can put together yeah I, I like the placeholder idea and i think that you know that probably makes sense um like you said it's probably what they'll do yeah like you said you know not wanting to make more um questions for yourself and also you know you're going to have enough to to figure out like like you said in those lower lines especially um just trying to to figure out what fits and then and then having to kind of take Matthews and now I wonder how you feel about that if you're Brooks and it's like well thanks for letting everyone else uh, solidify a role while I'm just uh, yeah. Yeah. you know the yeah, fucking but practice he's gotta realize, apart from like all of a sudden two or three guys disappearing off the roster yeah. he's got to 
know where he stands right now. Totally, yeah. Yeah. And, Which is unfortunate because I, 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 I really like Brooks last <laughs> I, year too. And I really liked that look that they got, uh, you know, towards the end of the year with, I thought Brooks, Spezza and Simmons was an excellent lot fourth line. Like I, yeah. you know, sheltered scoring line kind of thing. Like I would not have hated if that was the opening night fourth line. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that, you know, the, um, I, I don't know if it's politics necessarily, but kind of just the the interteam kind of dynamics. I feel like that's going to be a bit of a storyline this year because you have, you know, like you said, such a I, like. I don't think that Brooks would actually be upset about that, but I do feel like at some point you're going to have some some wingers who who maybe are not getting into the shuffle as much as they would like. Well, you know, we already we, have one in Ilya Mikheyev, disgruntled winger to start. Yeah, here. well, that's it. I mean, and and we can talk about. I guess this is a good time to kind of weave that in. You know. Mikheyev did demand a trade after the season, and the Leafs said, "No thanks. We're going to keep you. We're going to, you know, have a have a pretty solid role for you." And, and we've talked about it, you know, in the past that, you know, he he feels like a guy who could step in and, and maybe be that Hyman type that presumably the Leafs are, are looking to fill that role to some extent. And, and um, you know, he's had the bad bounces and and. I, I, I'm. I think that that was the right move on on the Leafs part, and I thought it was kind of strange for Mikheyev because I would have expected it last year before you know he signed on for for the two year deal, and then after such a, a a great role opens up with Hyman leaving, you would think that that would be just the the point that he would realize, okay, now's my time to shine, and instead he wanted out. But he was a Babcock guy too, so I wonder if that plays into that. And I also I'm also like, what did he think that he did last year that? warranted more ice time you know i mean i li- i like him and i think it's interesting because i the fact that dubas you know didn't want to trade him or grant him that request there's always this like conversation about you know dubas is an analytics gm and then you have some people who are like well he's not as much as you think he is because look at all these other signings that kind of go against conventional analytics kind of wisdom or whatever but this seems like him you know, dubas betting on a regression to the mean with him because i think if you weren't an analytics GM and you were a, you know, whatever the opposite of that is, <laughs> you would have looked at him last year and be like, this guy can't fucking put the puck in the net. He's useless. But I think you, you want to look at him, and I agree, through the lens of the bounces are going to even out eventually. Like the, these these 14 breakaways that he gets, are you know, he's going to bury half of them instead of none of them. Like that's... He That's shot like six happen, percent right? last year. Like, yeah, it, nobody shoots six percent. <laughs> yeah. So it's like if if he comes up to ten or eleven percent or twelve percent, even or what if he gets a really kind of the, the polar opposite and he shoots eighteens or something like that? Like it's that to me makes way more sense than cutting bait on a asset that's at its absolute lowest value. And I, I wonder if you know the fact that he. It's well known and out in the open now. I don't know if that would necessarily influence any of the decision making. But the fact that he has voiced his concerns over his role at ice time, I, I wonder if, you know, we're talking about the new guys in Bunting and Richie and Kasha. Mikheyev could very well, as Cam said, be, you know, tabbed to try and fill that Hyman role. He's got the speed, he gets in on the four check, you know, doesn't have the greatest hands or, 
shot from distance or anything like that. But he gets in on the forecheck. He dislodges pucks. He he he's great in transition. He he consistently turns defensive zone draws into offensive zone possessions. I think it was Nick D'Souza, uh, my pal from the Leafs Nation, who tweeted something to the effect of. Mikheyev had the lowest offensive zone start percentage of any Leaf forward last year and still finished more of his shifts in the offensive zone than almost anyone or, or something like that. Either way, really impressive the way that he's able to turn defense into offense and kind of you know drive play that way. I, th- I think there's a chance that he could slide into that one of those top six roles and play alongside Matthews or Tavares. There's a lot to like about the player. It's just, he just not, he just isn't burying his chances. It really, well, that's it. it that's was, the only it, thing. It became like comical last year yeah, though. Like yeah, the ways yeah. that he was denied goals. Like there, there was even one, I think like the one game that Stefan Neeson got into with the Leafs, like McKay have scored from the half wall or something. And Nason got a total phantom goaltender interference call. And <laughs> the golden stand is like, holy crap. Like he, I, I wrote about McKay last week and I, I said something like he, he found new and creative ways to not score all season long. And, and that really was the case. Yeah. Um, Keith, to answer your question, what is the opposite of an analytics GM? Uh, Dale Talon. Is, is the correct <laughs> yeah. answer? Yeah. Um, correct. yeah, I mean, Mikheyev. Honestly, like one of the things I would like to see is I'd like to see the Leafs play a little bit more, like not necessarily run and gun, but just try try to do a little bit more on the rush. I guess I guess I am saying do more run and gun. I guess that's exactly what I'm saying. Run and gun it up. Like I, I feel like, um, but it they, they played have to be into like the Montreal past things. No, and, no, no. But I mean, I feel like, like just try to try to attack. Like I feel like they played yeah. into Montreal's hands when they they take the blue line and then it's like okay, let's back off and and let's get everyone in the zone and let's set it up. And eventually, like okay, Montreal is also going to set it up and they're going to break up your pass. And 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 that was just. It seemed like that was. It has been a problem to me. Not not that they're perimeter players there's an element of that but like just just try to drive the net on the rush like you're incredibly talented try to beat guys one-on-one because you have guys who can do that and not not every team does so that's one thing that i'd like to see a little bit more of and i feel like mckayev can kind of play into that but but i think that yeah that's going to be an angle um is you know how do you get everyone their ice time you've got wayne simmons here for two more years and you know is is you know he going to be upset with his ice at some point because you're, you're trying to find you know a, a place to play him uh maybe the Leafs won't have the injury luck that they have over the last few years and you're going to need all those guys so we'll see how that unfolds but the other kind of like maybe potential drama point is is the goaltending because more so from the perspective of Sheldon Keefe and I'm interested to see how he handles that because you know it's it's been it's always been Freddie and even when Freddie was struggling you kind of could cover it up with well Freddie you know Freddie it's still Freddie's net but Freddie's hurt and now, how do you balance that when you have Jack Campbell, who's been so good for you, and then you have Peter Morazic, who you just brought in for a few years and is a veteran guy? The biggest signing of the offseason, right? Like they exactly. gave him more money in term than anyone else. So and he's getting absolutely no attention. Yeah, like no one's talking no, about that. No, not at all. And it's not. That's yeah. it. It, it, it. That's interesting to me. Like how that split is going to work, and, and you know how how you know Keith approaches that because it it. 
feels like, you know, the closest thing to a true tandem the Leafs have had since, like, I guess, Bernier-Reimer pretty much, right? And even that didn't really feel like a tandem to start. Like, it was like, oh, Reimer lost Game 7 and now Bernier's yeah. the starter. Like, right, right yeah. off the hop, right? It wasn't even really a tandem until there was, like, some injuries that crept in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I've been, I feel like I've said it a hundred times in this podcast, but like I've wanted the tandem for a while. Like I yeah. think that's the way that the league is going unless you have a Vasilevsky or a Hellebuck. Like that's, I don't know, just ride whoever's playing the best and keep guys fresh and give guys, you know, don't, guys don't have to play four games a week when that happens or three games, you know, it, it's, it just makes sense, to, you know, from a sports science standpoint, from a, like just, keeping whoever's playing best in net and not not having a guy who you just owe it to for no reason other than yeah he's number one in the depth chart like just i i I like it and they're both and it's not like you have and they even one-upped what i wanted to do which i mean we've talked about i wasn't sure that was the right move because i thought they could better use that cap up front but i mean when you make bets like kasha um you know i i get it i get why they would do that but like you have two extremely capable goaltenders that that are you know back there for the less than the cap hit of Freddie, I believe, or very close to it. So it's, I'm excited for that, and it, it is strange that it's not really getting talked about. Yeah, well, as much as we all love Jack Campbell and as great as he was last season, he's still very much like an unproven commodity, mm-hmm. like to a, to a large extent. He has he played you know a hundred NHL games yet? No, so. It's a bit of protection in that sense, too, because he could very well go out and have some sort of regression to the mean of his own. And all of a sudden, he's a 908 goaltender instead of a 920 goaltender that we saw last season. So I I think that they were smart to kind of make their primary focus of free agency securing that tandem option. And just like you, Keith, I'm glad that Keith is going to have options in net rather than, you know, being beholden to playing the the number one guy who's just been there and it's been his job for so long that you have to keep giving him the chances to to work out his struggles or whatever mm-hmm. now it's always going to be playing the best guy or you know hopefully they're they're both performing well enough that they can have an equal split throughout the season but if one of them does falter at any point Keith is going to have that option to go to the other guy yeah I, I, yeah i guess it just feels like um you know, as good as I feel about the roster, like looking back on last season, aside from the obvious, like it, it, it really, everything really did just fall into place so nicely on so many fronts, like, you know, injury wise and just the way things clicked outside of the power play. Um, I mean, there, there was so much that went right. The, the defensive play, um, and obviously the way it lined up in the division and then, you know, you just it, it it does make it sting so much more that you fell short the way you did and that it's going to be such a tougher mountain to climb in in this division. Um, so, I mean, that's that's but that's it. Like, that's that's kind of the that's what we got to deal with all damn year. And, and the Leafs have made their own bed. Yeah, lie in it all season long. Yeah, and that's and that's going to be you know obviously the main through line, right? Like it's as much as this other stuff is interesting to me. Like it's man, that's that's the part I think I'm dreading the most, right? Like I, I'm not, I don't want to hear a fucking story about 
Mariner, you know, Mariner's body language every time. Like, you know, we, we had it yeah. out with Mariner on, on the, on our post playoff pod and now I'm ready to move on. Like I, I, you know, I'm Mariner is what he is at this point. Like he, he, he also made I his bed to an extent. I think it's gotten a bit fucking ridiculous. It, it, it though, really hasn't has. It? Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, it, like, I don't want to see, like, I, I don't care for the, 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 is any guy who is, you know, has a bargain contract does a thing and then it's compare it to Mariner. That's so uh, fucking, fucking boring exhausting. to me. And it's never going away, man. <laughs> no, I know that's just how it's going to be, but it's, it, I've gone from like being angry at Mitch and Austin, like everyone else was, to like kind of feeling sorry for them in a sense. Like it's just gotten so ridiculous. Uh, like beyond the the point of any you know usual criticism of from sports fandom, I think like Mitch Mariner is still a fucking fantastic hockey player, and there's people reducing him down to nothing, uh, and I just. I don't know. I, I want to see him have success in Toronto so badly because I think that he's capable of doing so and that he's just being sold short by so many people, you know, just because of a couple of failure failures early in his career. Like these kids are still young. They're still so talented. It's just, I think there's still lots to be excited about with this team. And it's a shame that so many people are finding it hard to, to be excited well one one thing that i kind of have been realizing too with this is that we're you know people aren't really remembering that he was very good in his first three playoffs like yeah the, the washington and the two boston series he was awesome he was one of the best players on the on the team so it's like people wanted it's to not make like, a statue of him when he was blocking shots to exactly close out a game against boston so you got two wonky covid year playoffs that yeah he played awful in, in both of them, like no excuses played badly, but does that define the kid's career? Probably won't. Um, but I, I, I understand. Won't. Yeah. I understand the frustration of the masses, but it, yeah. it, it's, it's, it, but it, I, I have a hard time feeling sorry for him because of he did it to himself with the contract negotiations. You're right. Like, I understand it. And I'm like always for players getting more money and, and, and I I don't mind. I I don't like his contract, obviously, but I'm happy for him that he got it. I'd rather, as a fan, that it was two two to three million dollars less than it is now. But it's it was just everything that came with it, and like the clear negotiating through the media and and all this stuff. So like, if if you you know if you care that much what people think, which is seems to be the kind of consensus right now um, with 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 the media, is that he's kind of this is shaking him up doesn't really make sense that he did it the way that he did it. I mean, but like you said, I, I'm going to bet on the talent, you know, kind of shining through eventually and him figuring it out. This is not, he's not the first young superstar to struggle early in his career in big moments. Doesn't mean that he's not going to right the ship. Yeah. And part of it too is, you know, like didn't help. I think that obviously the playoff meltdown was, was a big part of it, but um, you know, he, he obviously looked bad. Matthews wasn't great, but Nylander was really good. And that big part of the negotiation was Mariner saying, I'm not on the level of that guy, meaning Nylander. I'm on the level of that yeah. guy, meaning Matthews. Well, he, he wasn't wrong. They both sucked ass. 
<laughs> yeah, and that and that's yeah. that's it. It's like, but the ire kind of goes on the guy who you know you you have the questions of whether he was ever on that level at all, and and got paid that way. And, and it's you know it's not entirely fair. Again, like it's you know I hate that we reduce it to to their contract in so many ways, especially when it's a player that good. Like if you want to reduce Andrew Ladd to his contract, go ahead. Yeah. But I, like when it's Mariner, look what the shit he can do. Yeah, he does everything for this team. Overpaying elite talent is. It's fine. Like it, it's not fine, but I mean, it's, it's better than overpaying shit. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to have a bad contract on the team, I'm cool with it being Mitch Marner. You know, like that that makes sense to me. Like, you know, not to take another run at Leo here, but he, I got a message from <laughs> yeah a friend friend of the show asking me if you know is Marner going to be on Team Canada? And I mean, like, how yeah. would he not be? How would he not be right now? He's if you look. I, so I pulled it up, and I could be wrong, and and if I am, you know correct me on Twitter or whatever, but over the last three seasons, he's fourth in scoring for Canadian born players. You know, he's a wizard. Like yeah. he, how, is, how the fuck is he not on team? Canada? Like uh, it's what, getting outrageous. He's an excellent penalty killer. One of the yeah. best playmakers in the league. Like he does so many things. It, it, and that was the, that was the, that was the kind of rebuttal was like, well, they, they don't, they don't need scoring. Like what else can he bring to the table? I'm like very good defensive play and elite penalty killing. Like, that's what else he can do like he's he's not he's not a one dimensional you know guy who's gonna i the the one thing that i i think we all agree that we'd like to see a little bit more is him not pass up grade a scoring chances to try to make the extra pass but that's that's but that's part of what makes him who he is too right like that you you take away that and i think you take away some of his greatness yeah like yeah that's not that's a good point I'd mostly like to see him never take grade B scoring chances because of that <laughs> fucking marshmallow shot. But <laughs> I, I, I just want to say something else about Mitch. I think like he's very clearly being judged on his absolute worst moments. And it's a, it's a fucking shame because he's had some really great ones and a, a, a lot of them too. And yeah. I, I still wholeheartedly believe that he's going to have even greater moments, you know, carrying this team to postseason success going on record. Come at me. <laughs> yeah. Going to be a lot of minor talk this, this season, I feel. Um, but yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm at that point too, where it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. And it's like, let's, Enjoy these guys while we got them. Man. Well, Mitch said it too. He said the, the the past is the past. We're we're looking forward, and I think that's the the right attitude. Yeah. Um. So you, I guess that's where we're. Uh, that's how we feel heading into uh, into <laughs> camp. Um. So to kind of put a bow on that, Nick, uh, prospect camp wrapped up as well. Um, yes. I mean, I, I don't think. Any of these guys are really expected to seriously compete for a roster spot outside of maybe Nick Robertson, who had a pretty good camp, right? He 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 showed out yeah. well, but um, I, I mean, may, maybe there was a time when you'd expect this. I certainly thought that this would be an option, um, but given how much they added on the wing, I, I I don't see a chance that anyone who was at camp uh, prospect camp is going to really make a. A, a play for the roster, but um, what what were your impressions and who who stood out to you? Well, Robertson was definitely the the star of the tournament for the Leafs. Like, he 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 was on a different level than than everyone else on on that team. You you can tell he's he's been there before. He's got a little bit of NHL experience. Uh, 
he was fantastic. Don't get me wrong. The, the one thing that I would say is I think that it was almost a little too apparent that he was aware that he was on another level compared to, you know, some of the competition there and maybe was trying to do a little bit too much on his own at times. I, I, I think that that will probably go away a bit, you know, when we see him in main camp here and he's got a little more faith in the, in the talent around him. Um, he's, he was really, really good in that tournament, man. Like his motor is something that is, is just going to always have him in the conversation. Like even as early as this season, I think the, the scoring touch that he's got, his shot is ridiculous. He's, you know, kind of diversifying his game as a distributor a little bit. Like he made some really nice feeds uh, in the few games in Traverse city. I I think that, you know, a couple of injuries could get him into the lineup this season, and I wouldn't be surprised for him to play well enough to steal that job during that time frame. He he's not far off. I think he's he's right behind Sandine in terms of you know like young Leafs knocking on the door. Uh, and if if he doesn't you know crack in this year and steal a full time job by season's end, I think it, it's a uh, it, it's all but certain that he will the following season he'll be a regular then and and he's like the exact kind of player that you know if we could fast forward his development a year or so like and plug him in on one of those top six lines on the left side you know he'd be a perfect fit like stylistically um another guy that stood out in the tournament i i really liked uh, mikhail abramov you guys know i'm a big fan of his anyway been eagerly awaiting his arrival into professional hockey I, he led the the Leafs in scoring for the tournament. I think he had a, a goal and five assists through the four games. Uh, I'm really excited to see him, you know, step into the American Hockey League this year with the Marlies. The, the Marlies weren't always uh, a lot of fun to watch last season. So I think that uh, adding players like Abramov and having a guy like Pavel Gogolev, who also had a, a pretty decent showing in Traverse City, having him there for a full season – there's going to be a little bit more offensive punch and you know youth with potential playing prominent roles for the for the Marlies this coming season so that, that's going to be exciting uh SDA Semyon Dar Argudchinsev man that's a tough one that sounds uh, like <laughs> a, the the uh, dialect of a guy who sent a tweet in Russian today <laughs> hey google translate does wonders um <laughs> Uh, yeah, SDA was was pretty solid throughout the tournament. I, I think he kind of got better as it went on. Uh, he they talked about the fact that he was bulked up a little bit. He definitely looks a little bit bigger out there on the ice. Uh, he, he's still not uh, towering over anyone or, or bowling through guys by any means, but a little more contact balance, the ability to you know play through traffic a bit. I think will be something that really helps him. Uh, he, there was a Definitely, it was obvious that he had made a clear focus to kind of become more of a shooter instead of just, you know, deferring to his teammates all the time. But I think he sort of overcorrected at times during the tournament. He was, you know, firing some low danger shots, you know, almost like telegraphing the play where he had made up his mind that he was going to shoot the the puck when he got it rather than taking a look like he – would typically do. Uh, but I, I think he was still pretty good in the tournament. Um, other than that, I, I th- think the, 
the one free agent invite that impressed me, and I think he impressed the Leafs too, but the way that they used him in the tournament was Braden Kressler, uh, undrafted guy out of the OHL. He's a not a very big player, but you know another guy with a great motor, good skill. He, he was just after it all the time. I, I thought he was a player that really took advantage of his opportunity. I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe get a an AHL deal and play some games with the Marlies this year. Oh, and speaking of AHL deals, Cam, your boy Jeremy McKenna was was really good throughout the tournament. I wouldn't be surprised if if he's a guy that earns a, an NHL contract at some point throughout the next year. Let's go. Potatoes for everyone, baby. It's <laughs> great. Um, yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, it's good to see the system get restocked a little bit. I, I know that the the Leafs haven't. Well, been and some of their so best hot. prospects weren't even there, right? Like it, so yeah. some of these uh, the other teams that participated in the tournament had you know some of their Euro prospects there who had already been signed. You know, Lucas Raymond was there, one of Detroit's top prospects. Uh, Igor Chenikov was there with Columbus. Uh, the Leafs didn't have Roni Hervinen or Topi Nimala there. Those guys are in the middle of, or not in the middle, but those guys have just kicked off their, you know, club league seasons over in a men's professional league in Finland. And we've got Matthew Nyes, the top pick from the 2021 draft. He, he's playing in the NCAA this year, so he's not participating in any of the, the prospect camps or anything like that. Um, so, they have definitely injected uh, a lot of talent into the system the last couple of years. A bit of it was on display at uh, Traverse City tournament over the weekend, but uh, there's more to come in the in the next couple of years. And uh, I think the Marlies are going to be a lot of fun to watch in the next couple of years when guys like you know Kockinen is over here and and Hervinen and Nimala potentially of Chinnikov, guys like that. There's a lot to be excited about. I had a hard time getting up for, for, for this tournament just because of that fact. Like, I think if if I could have been, if it, you know, if you would have had Nimala and Hervinen and and Amirov and all that, like, I think it would have would have I would have held my attention a lot more than it did. I mean, with all the other kind of high event sporting things that are going on right now, um, that I had a hard time following this one. So I'm glad I just got that rundown from you, Nick. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for mentioning Amirov because uh, I totally spaced on it even after Cam brought up my Russian tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I I just feel like the Vince McMahon meme every time that people are talking about Leafs prospects. Like every time there's a new guy added, it just it seems like they're, they're always just in line with, you know, the scouting reports are in line with the things I value in a player. And it's like, yeah, just keep keep turning over those stones, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's exciting. It's you know we're we're getting into it. I know a lot of people are you know still need to be won over, but um, I I appreciate a stocked system, and uh, you know that's that gives me hope for the future as we head into this season. And and it's I mean that's my biggest like we I've talked about this before, but it's it's you know what what is the leash for everyone, and and how is this all going to break down? Who's going to get shivved? If this thing goes off the rails, but we don't got to talk about that today because it's all fucking optimism, baby. Um, yeah, everyone comes to lamenting the Leafs for optimism. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly why. Positive September. Yeah, we'll keep po- positive September because I'm sure it won't always be that. Good, especially, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, wanted to quickly mention Jonathan Drewan, who did a, an interview with RDS on Monday, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously he took a leave of absence from the Canadians and 
was not a part of the the playoff series and um he he kind of opened up about what was going on and and um he was dealing with and has dealt with anxiety um sleep disorders in the form of insomnia and uh, needed to just kind of step away from from the team at that point in late April and uh, kind of reset. And uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure you guys saw the clip from TSN. There, there was kind of an English clip, but there was a longer French interview. And I don't speak French, but I kind of skimmed through it. And, uh, you know, it, he seemed refreshed. It was good to see. Um, it, it's a tough thing. Like, it's a tough thing to open up about and, and tough thing to go through. And, and glad to see that he's he's doing better and going to be rooting for him uh, this year for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, I hope, you know, hard, hard to root for a Montreal Canadiens player, but he'd be at the top of my list. Like, you know, it, it's, it's, my rooting will like not hockey. make them a playoff team, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard, you know, to come out with, with, uh, you know, and talk about personal things like that anyways, but under that kind of spotlight in that city as a French Canadian player in a culture like hockey, like that's, that took some stones and I'm, I'm really rooting for yeah, him. And he's just from those short clips, he seems like he's definitely in a much better place. So yeah, I'll definitely be, we've always kind of been Drew and guys going back oh, to yeah. his moose heads days. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be pulling for him to see him get his uh, career back on track and hope that it, all his physical and mental health, you know, holds up throughout the, the rest of his career. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, play with the moose heads, honestly, like it gave me some of my favorite memories in person, like of, of you oh, know, yeah, a player. Man, the shift. We, we talked about the shift. I was also there when he scored the overtime winner uh, to complete the moose heads comeback on the Rempire in, in Quebec. I was in Quebec for that game. Um, you know, so those are two of the most like poignant, like hockey memories that I have in person for sure. And, and uh, uh, man, he's a marvelous, marvelous talent. And, and hopefully, uh, oh, you know, have a, a nice bounce. It's funny. Back I, I I wish I wish I had more fond memories of the really good Sea Dogs teams, but I'd always see them at bars, and they were the biggest douchebags on the planet. And it, made it, hard, it made it hard to root for them. <laughs> well, I mean, not to get too far into the weeds on this, but like on that topic, like I mean, Drewen had a reputation in Halifax. Like he he was you know looked at as kind of a party guy, right? And and you know it, it makes you wonder. In hindsight, I texted a good friend of mine who's who's a, a Moosehead season ticket holder about this, and and you know it kind of colors it in a different way now because you know you look back and he didn't come to Halifax right away. He he, he stayed in midget he wanted to, to to stay in midget that that rookie season and he was tearing it up there it was so obvious he needed to be in Halifax and he's just always seemed like a guy like I've I, I'm officially retiring the Jonathan Drew and can't wait to play in the LNAH jokes the senior men's league in Quebec I'm retiring them because uh, I mean he loves home like you know that's I can't begrudge him that like you know we're we're uh, happily east coast and and you know we'll talk about that ourselves like you know it's it's not a crime to love home and and it, it sounds like you know he, he's a guy who um you know has, has dealt with this for a while and and you know it does color it a little bit like you know all the talk about why what the motivations were for for staying away from halifax to start and and maybe this is just a kid who was missing home like that the it's as simple as, as it is. So, you know, I'm rooting for him more, even more now. And I've, I've been rooting for this guy for close on 10 years now. So, um, solidarity, Doug yeah, Jonathan. Absolutely. Drew and to kind of bring it all back full circle in terms of Drew Ann, like you never really know what is going on in someone's life, professional athlete or otherwise. And yeah, I think that 
we should all maybe be a little more sympathetic to these pro athletes, you know, when they're going through difficult times. And uh, yeah, Mitch Mariner kind of fits that bill right now, in my opinion. And I kind of wanted to make that tie, Nick, because like even just on the point of like, you know, Drew Ann was the most ridiculous, remarkable talent I'd ever seen in person until, you know, you and I saw Mariner in that same rink in Halifax and it was like oh my god this guy has the same thing he has the Drew thing like maybe he'll be as good as Drew (laughs) and then you know I I think at that point everyone knew Mariner was the standard but like Drew was you know they were kind of in that same mold and it hasn't worked out quite as as well for Drew and that's that's you know I hope that he um this kind of reset is 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 going to help him and and he has a long career ahead of him in in the NHL is, is my hope for sure um Something else I wanted to mention while we were talking, you know, East Coast hockey and et cetera. Um, this is pretty cool. Um, the uh, Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes is something that I, I, I don't know if we talked about on the show, like uh, on the record, because I think we had something queued up back during Black History Month that never got out because, um, you know, speaking of Jonathan Drew, and I've been going through it for the last year, and uh, that episode, I think it's the only one that we've had to completely shelf. Uh, but, um, you know, we, we talked, I think, a little bit about the the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes, and so we're at least familiar with the topic, even if we necessarily haven't brought, brought it to the listeners. And um, luckily, it's going to be brought to a much larger audience with a documentary in the works uh, called Black Ice based on a book of the same name about the Colored Hockey League of the Maritimes and uh, it's going to be pretty cool um, because you've got some big names associated with this um, LeBron James as well as Maverick Carter um, who's you know been in his camp for a long time and then Drake as well um, so I mean, it's going to be really cool to see you know what they do with this story and um it's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Keith, I know you mentioned that um, you, you've watched some of that stuff from LeBron's production company, right? So do you have any kind of thoughts on, on what we might be in store for here? Yeah, it's it's a, it's, it's a pretty – I can't wait to check it out because, I mean, this is – I've watched quite a few of the uninterrupted um, kind of se- – like the different things that they've put out and watched the, the barbershop show that like I think pretty much every episode of it. And, I mean, the it's high-quality – shit like it's it's pretty cool that that something you know this close to home is being uh you know backed and and kind of done by by people of this stature and you know they're going to do a good job with it so um you know looking forward to when that comes out and definitely kind of uh now i remember hearing about it because we i think we did talk about it a little while ago when, when it got shelved and i uh, the episode that we did but kind of jumped off my radar a little bit so definitely see if i can find some trailers or some articles on it now yeah the uh, i think it's just starting filming later this fall so it's it's just been announced there was a a book that it's based off of so it's um they're working off of that but yeah it's gonna be interesting to to see what they come up with there so can't wait um so we're we're pretty much back into the swing here. Um, yeah, we got to do this more often. I missed you guys. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll do it more as as you know preseason gets gets underway. Jesus, Saturday there's a game against the Habs. It leaves like, hockey Saturday. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it, yeah, I know we we definitely haven't you know been doing this as often as we want to, but there's also not a whole lot to talk off season. So sucked. it'll be nice Man, to actually have content to sucked. like dive into. It does, this was only the, a short off season. But, like th- this really crept up. 
it is yeah. but at least we've been we've been blessed with a a, Bla- a blue jays playoff push and pennant yes, race so, i mean that's that's kept my attention quite uh what a run know. for the jays like I, I wrote them off like a, a month ago i've written them I, off six times this season <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i what i what what really sucks is that if they don't like what sucked when they were you know what their playoff chances were down to like whatever single digit percent it was a little while ago like all i kept thinking about is like this could be the best season of guerrero's career and it's it's a waste now it's like oh it's the best season of Semyon's career and ray's career and like yeah i mean there there are three like insanely elite see four sorry even tay oscar really four and bo's fucking happy B- like, Bo's not are, having a bad year yeah. like i think what is it do they have three guys in the top six of of like the war leaders or something it's it's something stupid like that like they have to make the playoffs and if they do they are that's not a team that i would want to be playing nobody wants to face the blue jays they have three fucking very good starting pitchers that's and that's assuming ryu doesn't figure it out like that's that that offense and the bullpen looks decent and three kind of top end guys like that's it's also worth noting that like they've done this mostly without their biggest free agent signing in franchise history who when healthy was unreal yeah that little window where he was healthy and in the lineup every day like this lineup was just ridiculous Uh, nobody wants to face this team in the postseason right now it'll be a damn shame if they don't get in but it's been a lot of fun to watch the last few weeks like they're just ripping teams to shreds you know the the pitching has been fantastic like you said keith and and vladdy had that little lull for a a couple of weeks there but he turned it right back around and you know put him like there's more chatter about him potentially being the MVP rather than Otani as the season is kind of drawing to a close here just because of how well he's playing down the stretch and the way that he's been able to sustain his numbers over the course of an entire season. And then, like, Semyon's been ridiculous. Uh, Bo has got 100 RBIs and 25 homers at shortstop. You know, he's figuring out the defense a little more. Like there's a lot to to like about this Blue Jays team, and if if they get in, that they've got as good a chance as anyone to go on a run. Yeah, you can't ruin a season where Vladdy does the splits as often as he has. That has been just the highlight um, for me personally. He's been <laughs> awesome at first base too. Like on yeah. top of the hitting, like I think he made a really nice transition. You know, to a, a full season over at first base for the first time. Yeah, he, he's been great. They, they've they've had a great run of late like a month ago i would look at the standings and see the the run differential and sigh and now i do the same thing and i smile it is going to be a fun run because you know they're shaking in their boots like you said no one wants to face the jays and the the prospect of just you know this is all gravy and maybe we ruin the season of the yankees or the red Sox or both knock one out in the playoff run and then knock another out the wild card right like (laughs) that'd be incredible glorious so uh let's hope it happens and uh couple of weeks into the nfl season as well like i i'm always feel like the last couple of seasons it's like how can i distract myself from putting my full the the full scope of my attention on the leafs and uh, part of that's just my day job because i'm paying attention to all these leagues but um Keith, I just wanted to say, the Bears. 
The Bears. So, I mean, listen, listen, what the fuck is going on with this? Can we stop <laughs> pretending like Andy Dalton's a good quarterback that we need to see more of? For Christ's sake, what's going on? I I know that if you look at Justin Fields' stat line from Sunday, it looked it looks awful. But I mean, there were that drop pass by Robinson. If you want to be a paid like a top five or ten wide receiver in the league, you can't drop a 30-yard t- touchdown pass that's put in your fucking hands where you're the only guy who can get a hand on it. And and I think Mooney dropped the pass that was maybe a little overthrown, but also you got to make that catch when it hits your hands. That all of a sudden you add 65, 70 yards onto his total and a touchdown, and maybe they're not throwing the ball at the end of the game at that point when he, you know, and maybe the interception doesn't happen. I know it's a lot of what ifs there, but it didn't look as bad. It, it, he made some good plays. He definitely looked like a rookie quarterback that, you know, he had the false start penalties where he was flinching. But I know there was a lot of Bears beat reporters saying that that was more on the center, not knowing his cadence, which is on Nagy for not giving him reps with the ones. So I don't know, man. It's, it's a fucking I'm tired circus. Of that guy. But, I'm so sick of but fucking But it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's something that, I don't you have your excuse now you you didn't want to make it seem like you were benching Andy Dalton for whatever fucking reason I don't claim to understand that but you didn't want to make it seem like you were benching Andy Dalton well now you don't have to make it seem that way he's hurt Justin Fields ball like it's his team now and they still don't seem to want to do it no I can relate to a lot of what you guys are saying like about Justin Fields because you know a lot of that was really similar to what was going on with Josh Allen early in his career. It, there would be it, the stat lines weren't always pretty in his first couple of years, but there would be those those flash plays that you know maybe don't necessarily show up in the box score, but you see the talent that's there and the throws that the guy can make and the plays that he can make happen and then you know the drops and not getting help from the receivers early on. Like yeah. it, someone looks at completion percentage or whatever and tries to make a grand determination on how accurate a quarterback is, but you know you got to take into account everything else that's going on around. Uh, it take, takes two to tango there, and and I mean, and also an offensive line that's pretty patchwork right now too. So it's like he's not exactly you're, being thrown into an easy situation. No, he's being thrown into, and I mean, the defense was unreal in that game. I know this isn't a Chicago Bears podcast, so we should probably wrap it up. But like, <laughs> the, defense, the defense was great, and and I don't think you're going to get that kind of performance out of them every week. So you know, there's four turnovers, four takeaways, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It's yeah. Fields, it's Fields' team. Let's stop pretending. That's it. He he looks like the real deal to me. It's going to take some work, but you know. I don't know if you want to listen to my quarterback evaluation. I've always loved Josh Allen, and a lot of people have been up and down on him. But you know, I, I've been proven right on that one. However, I, I also need to disclose the fact that I've started rooting for the Bears because I like Mitch Trubisky too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, teammate of Josh Allen, Mitch Trubisky <laughs> closed out the Bills' win on Sunday. Actually, he came in for the kneel downs. <laughs> nice, good for him. I think that that's probably his second or maybe third best offensive play so that's <laughs> <laughs> perfect for him uh all right uh more of that succinct analysis uh to come in season two of lamenting the leaves that's right thank you everyone who uh, stuck with us through season one it, it was a lot of fun getting this up and off the ground hope that we uh have a lot more coming for you this season yeah and, and check out check us out on patreon too um for more uh, probably kind of off the cuff episodes that are a little less planned and a little more 
uh, I don't know what the word is. Goofy, I guess. We <laughs> haven't talked about Norm McDonald on this episode, so we're going to have to do that probably for a Patreon episode because I got some things go. to say, man. I, I'm still bummed. Anyway, let's wrap it up. Bye.